Now I have a question for you. Are you hanging up your stocking on the wall? It is, after all, the time that every Santa has a ball. Good day to you and welcome to the festive edition of the Monkey See Monkey Review podcast. I, as always, am your host, Scott, and I'm going to be guiding you through this winter wonderland of movies. And we're not joined by Chris this week. Unfortunately, he is off doing other festive things. So wishing him a very Merry Christmas when he gets to listen to this. But I am absolutely delighted to say that once again, I am joined by the wonderful Mr. Kevin Haney. Good day to you, Kev. How are you? <laughs> oh, ho, ho, ho. Hello. How are <laughs> okay. you? Um, oh, yes. I'm very well. Very well indeed. Thank, thank you for having me back again. That's three in a row. And it's it's Christmas as well. And it's a pleasure to be on your Christmas podcast. We're a Chris less uh but this christmas shows that you're ever present and effervescent scott oh, uh, well thank you. <laughs> thank you for welcoming me as you welcomed the others uh for doing that L- lyrics at the start as well when you actually say the lyrics as you said them you actually yeah. kind of you think oh, actually it was quite a well-written song it wasn't just a, a christmas fluke that that one's uh that one's yeah. on everyone's playlist this time of year absolutely it's it is a standard it's a standard <laughs> so are you ready for christmas Am I ready for Christmas? Is anyone ready for Christmas? I mean, in these current times at the moment, you're ready for Christmas and then you can't be and then you are again and then you're not. And it's kind of all around the place. I think I am as ready as I can be, Yeah. Um, which is to say that I've written some cards and sent them out, which is the only real sure thing this Christmas, I think. Absolutely. Send a card to somebody, for God's sake, send a card. Um, but yeah, I think so. How about you? I'm doing okay. I've mostly got most of my shopping done. Um, I've not done my cards yet, so that's... Uh... That's the one area I need to. You, you see, you're beating me on that one. Yeah, well, this late <laughs> in the day, man, you can, you, know, you might have to upgrade to first class. Wow, well, I've, upgrade to first class stamps. That's kind of what it is. I don't tend to send a huge amount of cards out. I only send it to kind of like close. Generally, I only send cards to people <laughs> that I receive cards from usually. So I've yeah. kind of like, I've done it to kind of close family. But I think, um, I mean, the fact that postage now is rid- a ridiculous price. Um, I've not actually sent many cards out. I've only sent it to kind of like close family, really. No friends. So I'm sorry, man. Just I'm sorry to break it to you like this, but you might not be getting a card from me this year. But you'll have my warm wishes and a witty text on Christmas Day. Well, that I think is is good enough for me. So thank you very much. <laughs> if it's I, good enough for you, it's good enough for me. There's another lyric there for you. There we go. <laughs> That's slightly more sort slightly more summary though. To... It is. Who who is that? That's dodgy. Dodgy. It is dodgy, mate. But what was the song? Good enough. <laughs> good enough. That was it. Good it, enough. Yeah. It's literally right there in the lyric. <laughs> Speak, speaking of dodgy, here we are for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, but seriously, thanks for having me back. I, I noticed that we're a little bit more, you know, jolly because we've got a little bit of the festive sprinkle of magic, haven't we? Indeed. By the, and by that, I don't mean we're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I literally just finished work and started recording. So uh, oh, lovely. Yeah, so not enough time to to get drunk yet. But, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure I will be getting into the festive spirit soon enough. So, Kev, in the run up yes. to Christmas, have you been getting through your Christmas movies? I have. While I've been doing Christmas tasks, like writing the aforementioned cards and uh, wrapping presents and looking at stuff on Amazon to order, 
um other places obviously are available um i've uh, i've been having many christmas films on in the background so generally what i do is if i introduce a new christmas film into my christmas world i i tend to watch it and give it my full attention as i would any film um however this time of year generally you have a list of films that you just kind of want to tick off and my usual kind of ones in that respect are kind of like national lampoons christmas vacation scrooged um what else uh, money train oddly um mm. it's, it's a film that i like watching um and yeah i kind of like uh, yeah I, I think it's that kind of like you have them on in the background and before you know it they've kind of flown by muppets christmas carol of course i've not watched that yet that's usually the last one i watch before christmas yeah. i've been doing the same so i've got through a quite a quite a strong repertoire this year because elf is always my go-to around christmas uh, it's just yeah. it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy uh, how do you watch that do you stream it uh yes so we i basically stream as many of the the christmas films as, as are on uh, they're very smart my fell because elf's become that kind of like modern christmas classic isn't it and i know it so it, it's free all year generally and then it becomes the kind of like rent or buy option usually around late november so they're very clever with that but thankfully uh i mean now tv tend to have it on every year uh, oh, as part right. of their christmas package so yeah it's been uh it's been on it. heavy rotation I have it on an entertainment in video, which is a company that I wasn't a huge fan of because they used to make inferior DVDs, um, in my opinion, at the time. They're obviously a little yeah. bit better now and they've kind of been worn out. I think they were part of Time Warner um, and uh, New Line would release stuff through entertainment in video. But now New Line actually release stuff themselves, which is great. So Lord of the Rings, all of that kind of stuff, usually on Warner Brothers discs, not entertainment uh, in video, which is good. So there you go, a little bit of a... A little bit of history for you there. Which would be interesting to see with the brand new 4K releases, which I'm sure if if people have got HD, uh, well, Super HD, Ultra HD, UHD, UHD, Blu- UHD Blu-ray players, I'm sure there'll be a fair few people investing in the Lord of the Rings trilogy and to a lesser extent yeah. the Hobbit trilogy over Christmas. So it'd be interesting to see what those transfers are like. I imagine they'd be, uh, they'd be quite stunning. It's the season of a good box set. There's, a, there's, there's some lov- lovely box sets that have just come out. I think I was kind of yeah. mentioning to you recently as well that Total Recall celebrated its 30th anniversary this year. Yes. And just released a nice UHD, I think it's like a £70 box set, which can, wow. it contains like the, I think, three discs. I think the Blu-ray, UHD and a special features disc, but also uh, the a two disc re-release of the score as well. And it looks absolutely lovely, though I can't, I can't seem to get one for love nor money. So we're going to dig back into a few of the Christmas films in a moment, but uh, just as a little bit of minutes and matters arising from previous podcasts, uh, interesting following our streaming discussion of two episodes ago, because the movie world moves on at such a pace, that since then we've had the announcement uh, from Warner Brothers about their upcoming movie slate and the fact that they are going to be simultaneously, particularly in the US, going to be releasing their whole 2021 uh, movie slate onto uh, into the cinemas and onto hbo max at the same time uh, yeah, which is I an think, and I, interesting I think beyond move. as well i think beyond 2021 as well isn't it i think there's i think there's a there is a chance of that it's, uh, it's certainly a, a wait and see type of scenario with that because it's already created something of a backlash uh, i know christopher nolan and denis villeneuve who both have one of those contracts there Obviously, Nolan has released all of his films through Warner Brothers, barring, I believe, Memento. It's the only is the only film that he hasn't released through them. Yeah, that's right. Insomnia onwards was uh, yeah. So not counting uh, following and uh, Memento. But he was a a fierce critic of it, and uh, Villeneuve 
who is releasing uh, his Dune remake and potential franchise through there. I think both of them are kind of up in arms, particularly not just around the the method of the streaming and the fact that you know, there's an awareness that the model needs to change somewhat, but I think the manner in which the filmmakers have been consulted over this, that they went to bed, as, um, as Nolan said, went to bed thinking one thing and waking up finding that their movies are being put out at the same time on a on a streaming service without any prior kind of consultation and i mean the... I, th- I think that was the way it goes i mean i've, I've got slightly less kind of i, I mean I, I do feel sorry for denny villeneuve when it comes to the fact that dune's obviously going to be a big cinematic was going to be absolutely in the imaxes at the moment it's going to be huge and everything and obviously there was a lot resting on that that's now next october isn't it, it is um but i think i think nolan especially really to be fair they backed him and they went full throw yeah. with the release in the summer which didn't quite work out but he can't say that he's not had a that they've not backed him no, and tried it absolutely and i think there's a lot a lot of criticism about warner brothers from a lot of people as soon as this was announced there were a lot of my friends that were kind of like this is outrageous yeah. how can they do that but if you actually sit down and go through it warner brothers are the big studio if not one of the biggest studios yeah they are essentially kind of they are giving it a go and they are trying because what they're trying to yeah. do as i mentioned i think last podcast or the podcast before um, is they are trying to do they're trying to keep cinema alive they are putting their catalogue they are putting Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max but also they are releasing it cinematically should people want to go and see that so in yeah. the current climate where everyone doesn't know what's going on they are doing their best and I think this is the best way it could go it's a way that the industry was kind of going anyway and the virus has kind of, COVID's kind of like expedited it yeah. but I think at the moment Warner Brothers are still trying they're still doing to try and get the best of both worlds they could have gone the way disney and just gone you know what we are 100 percent going to back streaming and that's what we're going to do now that's the way it's going to go and we spoke about this when we mentioned mulan didn't we yeah. last podcast well funny so that kind of thing funny you should say that just to slightly divert from the uh the hbo max warner brothers discussion is that uh and we'll come on to the disney investors day in a little bit because that was a real bean feast of, of movie news but as one of their announcements raya and the dragon that had that gorgeous trailer released a, uh, a couple of months ago is actually doing a simultaneous movie uh so movie release of it going into the cinemas and through the premiere access so another 20 pounds uh service charge for seeing Raya and the dragon uh when that's released i believe in march next year so they're they're still they're a slightly more back in the cinema release model in a similar way to the to hbo max but again uh, a lot more is being is going to be pushed towards the Disney Plus service, uh, but so just the um, just to sorry, pivot no. back towards the the Warner Brothers site. I mean, there's some pretty huge films that are on this, uh, you know, in this discussion. Uh, you, uh, we've already mentioned Dune, uh, Matrix Four is going to be one of those that's already earmarked for a release, uh, you know, this simultaneous release. Uh, the yeah. the Suicide Squad, so James Gunn's rehash of uh, the Suicide Squad, which is looking uh, bright, colourful, and interesting so far, and Kong versus Godzilla, <laughs> which is a really interesting case. And I think uh, I don't want to kind of delve too much into this because there's a lot of legal stuff going on in the background. But Legendary Pictures, who have financed a lot of these uh, these movies, are looking to to potentially you know, start a lawsuit against Warner Brothers because of the lack of consultation because they're you know a major financier of some of these films and and actually if you if you cut down on the, the possibility of drawing you know that's the thing the box office figures are, are, are absolute gold dust 
to these films. It's not just it's not just the the revenue. It's that visibility of it that you're having a number one film, uh, building that brand on a you know a large release, and by potentially cutting down on the, the the access to the cinemas, it obviously creates a risk for for those people that have put the money. And in the case of Denis Villeneuve, the the, the time and the effort and the and the, the artistry into the works because there's one thing that that he definitely is and he is one of the the best filmmakers for me working at the moment i mean june's going to be absolutely stunning to look at and it's it's that craft that they put into it to be shown in the best possible way and it goes back to the things that i've been saying all along i you know you can play your monkey see monkey review bingo here and uh, with me mentioning the big screen experience uh take a shot <laughs> but um but yeah so mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's really interesting it's going to be interesting to see where that goes because james gunn has also come out and had complaints about the way this has been done it's not just the release methodology and I, I i agree with you that there there needs to be some way around it particularly while there's a pandemic on and while we return to normal and people need to have that option but i think it was a lot of them the way that it was done and that there was very little consultative work done that all of a sudden it was like bang here's the news here's what we got here's what we have decided that we are going to do with these films that we're going to release i think we they, they were stuck between a bit of a rock and a hard place because yeah. with something like this with a move so bold it had to be an all or nothing and i think if they'd have gone into consultation with some of arguably the most powerful filmmakers in hollywood yeah it would have been strung out it would have gone on and it would have underwritten like it would have it could it would have undermined the films that were going straight to streaming if other films weren't it would have confused the move all of that stuff and the fact yeah. that they are the kind of the lead financiers of most of these films they were well contractually within their rights to do this no matter whatever blowback they get now yeah and i think had they not have done it that way what they would have done is they would have gone to Nolan, they would have gone to Villeneuve, they would have been up in arms i think it would have been better for them or it is mm. better for them probably relationship wise to say we didn't consult and we decided to do it rather than we consulted you didn't want it and we still did it yeah no absolutely absolutely yeah so i i'm kind of like in a weird way i'm kind of like defending warner in this respect because i can't sit i've seen another without it just being a whole kind of like six months of litigious nonsense going backwards and forwards about it where ultimately this could have been the result anyway i yeah. am 100 percent behind nolan i completely agree with his ethos and how things are when it comes to cinema and film and preser- preservation and the big screen experience and all of that kind of stuff and i think he has had more than a kind of a, a fair crack at that this year yeah. it just shows that it's not the current climate isn't viable for this kind of release no. i'm hoping it will be at some point in the future and at the very least warners are doing their best to keep that end afloat while mm. they're making money from the other end i think it's also interesting to point out that obviously this this move is going to be pretty much solely in the u.s but it's an interesting test case because we're, we're still going to be getting the normal cinema release because we don't have access to hbo max whether they agree a streaming deal with one of the major services i don't know potentially sky store because they're there or, or amazon because they charge for their, their rentals so it'd be interesting to see particularly with the, the whole push towards vaccination and how quickly we return to normal but also there's that there's that limited window that where these films will release on hbo max but only for i think a calendar month after uh at the same time so they'll only be available for that month but it would just be interesting to see what impact it has on that 
box office taking. I, I think it's 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 become, isn't it, quite aware that we're pro- this is probably going to go on cinematically anyway. Um, yeah. People won't be able to go back to the cinema until at least kind of like early early next year, March, April time. Now here's yeah. the thing: is some of the big releases next year. I think post Oscar seasons, what would have been, and we should have, or we were, you know, at the time of recording, um, going to a later Oscar ceremony. I think the Oscar ceremony was going to be kind of like March, April time yeah. uh, to allow other films to be released. But our first major release postponed from this year, I think, is March and there's Ghostbusters Afterlife, isn't it? Yeah. So that would be interesting because that's Sony who at the moment, big power, um, have not laid their hand they haven't played any hand yet. They're still keeping their cards very close to their chest. I think yeah. probably observing what Disney and Warner are doing in that respect. But they Absolutely. for all intents and purposes I think have the biggest release of early next year, don't they? Coming to yeah. America or the coming to America that was supposed to be last podcast we recorded was going to go straight to Amazon, wasn't it? Yeah. Um for this Christmas is now going to Amazon after its original date, isn't it? Which is also yeah, it's early March. 2021. March 2021. Yeah. yeah, so that'll be around this kind of same time. So the Nostalgia Fest of this year, same with Top Gun. We should have been going to see Top Gun next week, I think, when it was initially postponed. Yeah. Um, and obviously that was in the same way that Bond did it. It was the right move to make because there was going to be no box office for it. It's no. going to be very interesting to see how that happens because it will recover. Oh, I hope it will yeah. recover, but it's going to be... I, I, you know, it's now... You know, if if you'd have gone back to like when they originally postponed Bond back in April 2020, and you'd have said, you know what, it'll be lucky if it gets any box office in April 2021, I would have gone, no, it's not going to last a year. And now we're in that where it's very reasonable that it could be this time next year we could actually say it's good to get back to the cinema. Maybe next year's Christmas special we'll be going, oh yeah, actually I've actually started to regularly go back to the cinema again, which isn't obviously the case now. Really interesting thing, and I'm gonna sort of. Uh, pivot away from what I was going to talk about next with the the Disney investor say we will pick that up because that is is basically going to be like Christmas for uh, fans of Star Wars, Marvel and <laughs> Disney animation but it was something that kind of came up during this conversation and just came to my mind because a couple of days ago I took some time out and I finally got around to watching Mank, David Fincher's biopic on Herman Mankiewicz and his time writing for Orson Welles for Citizen Kane and told in flashback. Now, there's one thing just I'm going to pick up within kind of the context of the film that's really interesting because there's a lot of really interesting parallels within the film. But what's happening at the time that much of Mank is set is around the time of the Great Depression and uh, there's a sequence where uh, Louis B. Mayer goes in front of the, the staff at the studio and basically tells them that they need to take a 50% pay cut to help the studio to survive because people aren't going into the cinemas. And they were worrying at that point whether the cinemas will survive. <laughs> and it's quite an interesting little little parallel that, that if you, I think if you look throughout the history of cinema, that they, they peak and they trough. And there's, there's never been kind of a threat to cinema like streaming potentially is combined with the the global pandemic but the fact that these things are they are cyclical um well, and initially they, they, they thought that television would wipe cinema well out, that's it but here we are i mean talking 90 years on from from that point uh my maths isn't my strong point <laughs> but so uh, <laughs> but it, it felt really prescient that finch had written this refracted through this this vision and particularly because you know this part of his agreement is through streaming service, through Netflix to release Mank, but uh, but yeah, I mean the the film itself, I I got a lot out of, and again with the, with the parallels, there's uh, 
there's an awful lot around the, the parallels of, of people's reaction to uh, Republican versus Democrat and and seeming you kind know, of the socialism and the reaction to that and how certain sort of more right wing politicians in the US are, are really kind of latching onto the socialism term and, and painting it as, as the bad guy. And again, it's, it's what comes around goes around. It's uh, or what goes around comes around. It, 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 they felt like there were some real parallels. It was a really really you know smart film in that way and you know just to go back to the film itself because it's one that i would recommend most certainly it's uh it's so sharply written it's real witty kind of rat almost feels a 1930s style in that that kind of that kind of scattershot dialogue some really witty clever lines and watching him sort of getting to this point where you know, at the start of the film, he's he's a drunk, he's bedridden, having been in an accident, and is you know al- almost at a low point. And going on to, it's no spoiler to say, he's writing Citizen Kane. He's he's putting pen to paper on one of what is regarded as one of the the greatest cinematic masterpieces ever made. But it's just really interesting watching that. And you know, Gary Oldman's great as as Mank. Really, really great support as well. And Charles Dance is in there. Amanda Seyfried, who is... She's not somebody I'd, I'd seek out to watch her films. But in this, she was just brilliant. She's got this, this really great kind of 1930s, early 40s uh, movie star quality and vibe about her. And she uh, gives a really kind of charismatic performance. And uh, Lily Collins, uh, as his kind of assistant, who is doing the sort of writing the dictation uh, for the screenplay, uh, she's she's fabulous. So, and it, yeah, right across the board, some some great performances, and it's got that real kind of, as I say, throughout the whole film, is is made with that the kind of nineteen thirties feel and style, right down to the the opening credits and the title card. It's it just tries to capture that kind of bygone era, and it feels like a bit of a a bit of a love letter so yeah it, it's one I'd, I'd definitely recommend it particularly if uh, if you're looking to avoid festive fare at this time it's a good two and a quarter hours of your time there were a lot of cinemas around uh, in, in london prior to uh, sort of going into tier three that were playing it and i kind of unfortunately missed the opportunity i think i might kind of like because I, I i'm a huge david fincher fan obviously it's no secret that he's a big kind of like you know cinematographer kind of you know his yeah. films look spectacular and I, I i always go out of my way to try and see his films on the big screen and that was my plan to do that prior yeah. to the cinemas closing so i'm kind of like i i, I is it worth me waiting until january or february or whenever the cinemas reopen to catch it again or or is it a case of because it's not a film it's a film i've been waiting for for a while but i want to see it in the best way possible and of course the best way possible for a film a david Fincher film especially would be cinematically what do you think i would be inclined to agree with you there it's quite staged i think what i mean by that it's it's very it's very sort of dialogue heavy it looks it looks beautiful but there, there aren't many sort of expansive moments. A lot of it takes place sort of in writers' rooms or in his bedroom where he's writing, and it's, it's really is it, it's very stylized. And is it is that is it that is that kind it's of it's very style stylish, there? I would say. Rather, than, there, there are some real stylized moments, but I think yeah, when when you talk about seeing something on the big screen, I think it would probably have more impact on the big screen i think uh, particularly you know some of the early writers room scenes where they're, they're kind of bouncing off each other in that kind of environment where you, you kind of feel like you're in the room with them i think I, i'm i'm kind of torn on this one because it's it's a really it's a really really good film and i think you i think you would get something out of it uh, but if you're if you're happy to wait then 
yeah, give maybe maybe see how see how things go, and if by February March it does start to uh, making a run again, uh, you're not losing anything by not seeing it now, uh, because I don't think it's going to be something that's going to be particularly spoiled heavily on the internet. I think uh, you know the the story is pretty much out there in the public domain. But uh, yeah, I, I've got the yeah, I've got the idea that I want to see it and everything, and I've been waiting for as long as I've been waiting, and it's like it's out, it's there. But I'm in a position where ordinarily a film like this, especially when like Trial of Chicago Seven went up recently, yeah. the Aaron Sorkin film, I was like, I need to see this now. Whereas now I'm kind of like, ah, oh, okay, because the option was there to see it cinematically, and I missed it. I was like, oh, should I? Should I don't know. I can wait. And it's and it's a weird thing about the way things are at the moment is there it doesn't seem to be their urgency to see things and that's another thing about streaming isn't yeah. it as well is when films just appear on streaming there's not that kind of oh well I need to put aside a night to go out and watch this even though you know obviously I've got like a queue of films but because there's so much I'm kind of like digesting at the moment in relation to Christmas Fair and all everything else being yeah. so busy it's that kind of thing where at the moment I would actively have to make an appointment to do it and because I don't have to go out to see it at the moment I'm thinking you know what I might actually I might actually do that. I might make an appointment to watch it, but the other side of Christmas, yeah. maybe certainly before the Oscars, because I expect it will be a large Oscar Absolutely. contender. No? Yeah, I think that that's a really good point. I think that's something I'm finding is that I'm being dictated a lot by mood because I'm trying. I've been trying to get through a lot of Christmas films as well, but again, a, a certain amount of mood takes you where actually you don't really fancy watching a, a Christmas film at that pr- precise moment in time. So having other options. Uh, has been has been really positive and sometimes when you you get to that point where you have the time to watch something like mank you probably think i need the headspace and so with streaming you have that option to to kind of put it off where you don't have to kind of go right i need to i need to pick a night that i'm free i need to pick a time that i'm free and then i'm going to see it you have you have more of a luxury to 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 kind of take your time and be a little bit more sort of laid back with it yeah yeah i think uh, yeah like you man i'm kind of like i think it's every now and then i'm like okay i think i'm a bit christmas out i watched four films yesterday three of them wow. christmas films and i finished and i finished the evening on a non-christmas film just because i wanted to get when i say watch them it's kind of they were there they were on in the background it was national lampoon's christmas vacation followed by scrooge followed by the santa claus and then i topped the evening off with the founder which is the Michael yes. Keaton um nick nick hoffman kind of like which is great and i've seen it yeah. before but it was just that kind of thing i've seen it it just appeared on uh on prime and i was like actually you know what i i, I remember enjoying that when it was in the cinema yeah. and i was like i'll just rewatch that and it was more for a case of just taking out i suppose in, in a weird way it was kind of like it was the savory to the sweet that had been the kind of like the yeah. day of christmas films you know and i say watching them i was just they were there they were on while i was doing other christmas no films. absolutely i i mean i've been doing the same i think i've managed to see Scrooged twice. <laughs> I've managed to check out Gremlins, and I've also managed to check out a few other new uh, Christmas films for this year. Oh, nice segue, mate. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. It's almost like it was planned. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I've been trying to to absorb as much kind of Christmas spirit as possible because I'm not outside in the world absorbing it from um, from being around uh, Christmassy things. So I, I made a bit of a, a concerted effort to check more Christmas stuff out. The first thing, and I think I probably started with the real high point, was uh, last year's Klaus, which was actually nominated for the Best Animated Picture at the Academy Awards Just Gone. And did it? How, what, did, what did it lose out to, or did it win? Um, it lost out to I want to say Toy Story Four. 
So, okay, we'll take that. Yeah, yeah, you keep talking, man, and I'll look that up. Just yeah. double check it because that's fine. We like to be like to be fact based here. But yes. Yeah, man. Yeah, tell us about Klaus. So Klaus. So the the story is about a, a layabout trainee postman whose father essentially runs the service, and it's 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 kind of his family. It's family trade, but he has absolutely no interest in it. He would rather be kind of lazing and enjoying the the, the sweet life and the fact that he is obscenely rich. And uh, it gets so it's Jason Schwartzman playing playing him, and he gets sent out to this far flung remote village, which is uh, occupied by two warring families uh, who are sort of generally known to one lot of dark hair, the other lot are all redheads, and so it's a nice sort of easy visual <laughs> visual trick to see who's on what side, uh, and it's a real kind of Hatfield and McCoy's Montague and Capulet's type of thing that the families have been warring for generations and he is kind of there just dropped into this village to attempt to be the the new postman and he has this challenge that he's got to deliver so many letters within this time or yeah. he is uh, or he's going to be cut off from the family so far not very Christmassy but then he happens upon a uh, large <laughs> white bearded woodsman with a real skill for uh, making toys and befriends him and starts to uh, starts to use his skills and as as a toy maker to basically inadvertently start to broker peace within the village and I will kind of stop there for you know, fear of going too far into the, the full plot but so playing the Klaus character is uh, J.K. Simmons. There is a typically attractive and sceptical female interest within there who's played by Rashida Jones, who we discussed in the last episode, and who is similarly brilliant here. And uh, what a treat it is. It starts out, I mean, it's beautifully animated. It's a hand-drawn animation and absolutely gorgeous to look at. And what really hits is the fact that it's not just... It's not just good as a as a family movie. It's that it's got a real wit to it, and particularly Jason Schwartzman and Rashida Jones's delivery, because they're both really great comic actors. There's there's real kind of sharpness to the script, and real real humour to it. Uh, Joan Cusack is also in there as well as uh, the leader of one of the factions, and I, you know she's just typically brilliant in everything. Uh, J.K. Simmons has got a sort of that that great voice and real sort of gravitas to the the Klaus character, and it's just lovely. It's such a a really sweet, funny, heartfelt. I I love I love using the phrase heartfelt, but in this case, it really does feel that it 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 really plays the sentimentality well without it feeling too cloying. And, and as I say, it, more more than anything, it's genuinely funny and. I think that's probably been my sort of brand new festive highlight, and I think that's one that I'll probably check out in in subsequent years because it's it's it was just lovely. It was just a really good, you know, solid four star animated film, uh, great for the family, and and it's it's really telling because people that I I've sort of mentioned it to, they've either seen it and gone, oh my god, yes, the, the, isn't it great? And the people that I've recommended it to that have watched it after that point have come back and gone, oh, I, I can't believe I've missed that. It's it's a real treat. So 
that's that's yeah i think it was one of the films that kind of like it was just kind of i think it was underneath the avalanche of netflix just putting stuff yeah. up i don't think people really gave it the credit no. as you know which is another argument for streaming services especially Absolutely. Netflix. the content is so thick and fast sometimes yeah. that you lose little gems like this yeah. you were right toy story thor did pick up animated film um over klaus yes in the same year that um uh, Missing Link was nominated as well, like yeah. as well. So there was that. Oh. And just to clarify a point I made earlier, 25th of April 2021 is currently the date for the next Academy Awards. Right. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. So look forward to that. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> um, and and kind of after after that point, I mean, I've seen seen some other sort of nice things. I I checked out the Christmas Chronicles too, <laughs> which was uh, it was pretty much everything that you expect it was going to be. Um, I know. I, I tried to remember the Christmas Chronicle. I did watch the Christmas Chronicles one yeah. when it was initially came on, and I can't remember a thing about it. So I don't know. Am I all right? Just jumping you straight are into Christmas fine Chronicles two. Jumping straight into Christmas <laughs> or, Chronicles two. Uh, so I, I I watched it in company, and within fifteen minutes of the film starting, with good humour about us, we pretty much called exactly what was going to happen. It is as predictable as you you <laughs> could possibly get with a film but here's here's the here's the point it may be very very predictable very um, i don't want to say lacking in originality there is there are there are elements of so many different films in there that it, you know it feels it feels familiar in lots of different ways uh, particularly down to the elves feeling like a, a you know slightly that felt like they were going for a bit of a minions vibe with it uh minions right. stroke gremlins vibe with it a uh, little bit of a uh, little bit of santa claus thrown in there and uh, the, the story picks up with so if you've seen the first christmas chronicles that um the the two central kids their father has recently died um and their, their mom's been looking after them on her own she has now met uh, a new husband played by Tyrese Gibson, who is who's just likable enough in it, uh, who has a son of his own. And seeing as though the, the older lad from the first film is slightly too old, we send the the, the younger sort of stepbrother and, uh, and the girl Katie off on their own little adventure. Uh, and Santa and the North Pole uh, are being threatened by a rogue elf who was banished from years ago uh played by julian dennison who was ricky in hunt for the wilder people um uh, who's i i don't want to be i don't want to be too negative here because i'm trying to be very very positive about it he's he's not the most convincing of villains and uh, the you know the way christopher columbus has uh chris columbus has realized the north pole and santa's village is beautiful and it feels really lovely and christmassy and there's a really great sight gag with the cinema in the town, but I won't spoil it for you. Uh, but you've just got to look carefully for it. Uh, and Kurt Russell is perfectly charming and very, very charismatic as Santa. Again, because that was the real selling point of the first one was his performance as Santa. It's nice having the, the little gimmick of Goldie Horn playing Santa's wife. And she's she's likable enough. She's on all the publicity. She got a good she's, presence in the film, she's, or is she she's, just kind she's, of? She's got she's got a nice presence in the film. I I think uh, I, Kurt Russell owns it. That it's his it's his role. Just as a little side point, I was speaking with a few old college friends a little while ago, and they a few of the ladies had watched it, and all of them confessed to having something of a crush on Santa as played by Kurt Russell. So uh, he's, uh, he does rock a fine beard. 
<laughs> it does. <laughs> it does indeed. So I mean, I, in spite of in spite of everything, the the fact that it's not the most original film, it's it is very very predictable. It's also just really likable, and I think that's what you you don't need you don't necessarily need high art at Christmas. You know, you 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 sometimes just want something that feels like a nice, comfy pair of slippers, and that's that's what it feels like. It's it's not going to challenge you, but it is just going to make you feel a, a nice little bit warm and fuzzy at Christmas. So you think this will be one that will uh, stand the test of time and be one people revisit year after year? I I think so. I think I don't think they need to go back for a third go round uh, because you might start to push the um, push the story and push the originality a bit. But I, I think it's it's sort of become a bit of a default Christmas favourite. I, I, it's been getting you know people online have been really enjoying it, and it's been getting some reasonably strong reviews. And uh, you know what, it is it is it is what it is, and it's it's perfectly nice. And so yeah, I'm, I'm certainly not going to throw any bricks at it. <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> So no 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 coal inside me uh, inside me snowball that I throw at it but no it's 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 fine. <laughs> One of the other things I checked out and this was out of interest more than anything is that I, I don't know if you've seen on Disney Plus they have added a Star Lego Star Wars holiday special. All right. So I had I had seen that. So is this tell us a little bit about the uh, Lego Star Wars holiday special? So, Has it got anything to do with the infamous Star Wars holiday special? Funnily enough. It does in a small way. It's uh, so it's based on Life Day, which was the the fictional celebration on uh, Chewbacca's homeworld of Kashyyyk. The, the idea is that uh, so you've got Ray and Finn and Poe and all sort of characters that ended Rise of Skywalker, all gathering together with Chewbacca to go and visit his family on Life Day. Uh, and, so, and we do actually get an appearance from both Itchy and Lumpy, but thankfully, yeah, Chewbacca's dad isn't as nightmare in, as, as nightmare inducing as the version in the original 1976 Star Wars Holiday Special or 78, <laughs> sorry, 78 Star Wars Holiday Special. Uh, what follows is it, it's a bit of a, a time traveling sort of jumping adventure as Ray attempts to learn how to become a better Jedi Master. Uh, because in quite an interesting little little bit, which I, you know could end up becoming canon, is that uh, she's sensing that, that Finn is Force-sensitive and trying to train him to be a Jedi, which I think is something that could have been explored better in the films. But um, uh, <laughs> So what, what happens is she basically starts intersecting with lots of different moments from throughout the, the previous Star Wars films. And... I'd seen that it got some some really positive reviews, so I thought I'd, I'd check it out. And again, a certain amount of morbid curiosity after, because I, I obviously remember me and you watching the Star Wars Holiday Special, the 1976, <laughs> version, and 15 minutes in, it was funny. 30 minutes in, it became a an endurance test. It was. I think it was, yeah, I, I remember because it, it was kind of like, it, it's obviously infamous and, and George Lucas and Lucasfilms have tried to buy up all kind of prints or all kind of evidence. Yeah. So the only, the only things that exist are basically, you know, people that were fortunate enough to tape it at yeah. the time and then they've managed to upload it online. So the one thing I do remember about our viewing of that was me and you watching it and we were actually waiting for the ad breaks because it was more enjoyable watching the it American was. adverts from 1978 than it was the actual content In that we were actually got indeed it was yeah and uh, yeah it, it, i just remember it 
sucking <laughs> the life out of the room. Uh, thankfully, uh, I'm, I'm quite pleased to say that uh, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special doesn't suck the life out of the room. Uh, it's very much, I'm very much not the audience for it. It is very much for families with younger kids that will enjoy it. But what they do is that they'll know they'll be particularly grown-ups of, 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 our, of our vintage that will have seen all of the Star Wars films. And it does drop some really, really nice little in-jokes in there. Some real crackers. Um, no pun intended. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it, I, I wouldn't recommend it unless you're watching it with a small person. It's only 45 minutes long. But, but yeah, they, they do they do some great great little asides and great little one-liners great little visual gags but as a as a story it's probably not the it's probably not the classic <laughs> so, okay cool all right yeah star wars holiday special that's disney plus that's yeah. disney plus yes it is indeed and so yeah i also also managed to check out some because i'm trying to go a little bit uh, a little bit different also if you want your christmas movies to be both a musical and a zombie apocalypse horror uh, then, uh, as we as we all do, as we who, all do. Who, who doesn't? Who who doesn't? Indeed, on now TV at the moment there's Anna and the Apocalypse. It's a low budget British zombie horror Christmas comedy musical, <laughs> and I will stress the fact that it is a musical. So if you start watching it and they start singing it, uh, yeah, it that is supposed to, they're supposed to be doing that. I yeah, it, it's something a bit different. And if you if you fancy supporting something that's that's small and british i know uh there are the critics that have, have you know really pushed this and really raved about it but uh but i i i sort of found it diverting and there was some again some really nice moments in it some really great bits of dark humor some of the music's quite catchy but it, it didn't it didn't quite gel for me and maybe i i'm not the the audience for it because i'm not the biggest um musicals fan but if you do watch it and you are interested in it, just to give a little shout out to another podcast. Um, so the Film Stories podcast run by the brilliant Simon Brew. Uh, he does a sort of weekly podcast talking about two different films. And he, uh, in the episode from a couple of weeks ago, talks about Anna and the Apocalypse. And there's a really lovely story behind it. So if you enjoy Anna and the Apocalypse and you want to find out a bit more, uh, check out the the film stories podcast anyway because i think uh, i think me, me and kev will both tell you it's it's really good mm, indeed yeah. yeah i like films it's always there every monday pops into my inbox and i'm loving it usually my first my first commute of the week yeah. and it's gone it's a shame that's it <laughs> um so have you seen anything brand new and christmasy this year brand new and christmasy well sticking on the disney plus vibe i know yeah. you've seen it as well i want to talk about noel and i say noel so this is anna kendrick it's a mark lawrence directed yeah. anna kendrick shirley MacLaine, and bill hader movie uh basically it's a case of um chris kringle santa claus he um he has two kids one of them is bill hader and one of them is anna kendrick and essentially one of them is going to take over as santa claus and i say one of them it's going to be bill hader except bill hader doesn't want to take over as santa claus uh but it turns out that anna kendrick she loves everything about Christmas and she's been helping her little brother um, all of his life to try and become the next Santa Claus and when Santa eventually parts away and leaves his leaves his boots behind um, Bill Hader is nowhere to be seen he's off so leave Anna Kendrick to try and save Christmas now this was part initially of Disney Plus's uh, initial launch catalogue uh, in America last year right. so the film's not it, so it's it's new for us in the UK but it's been out for a year yeah. and I remember when they launched it last year when they launched Disney Plus 
Plus, this was one of the films that was getting a lot of acclaim. And I remember thinking, oh, it's a shame. I wonder if they'll release it cinematically. We didn't get it released cinematically, so we had to wait a year for it. And I'm glad we did, because this, and just a, a nod to another Disney Plus movie that I did watch called Godmothered, um, which is kind of like their Christmas offering, both in the United States and Disney Plus worldwide yeah. this year. I would say that Noel is because you can tell that it was a launch catalogue content because it's a lot better than than a lot of the stuff that Disney Plus have released live action and Christmassy recently. Yeah. So I would say is this is a film. It's not only a great Christmas film, it's a great film. Oh. It's witty, it's funny, the performances are great, and I, I enjoyed it very much, and I wasn't expecting much from it, especially straight, you know, following straight on from Godmothered, yeah. um, which I had given my full attention to because it was the first time I was watching it, obviously, as a Christmas film, but I could have happily wrapped my presence to that and probably enjoyed it more. But uh, yeah, Noel, very funny, very witty, and a very nice surprise. I'd probably say it still kind of like falls in the three star arena. Yeah. But when it comes to Christmas fair, sometimes the fact that it's a Christmas film seems to make the filmmakers believe a lot of the time that that's enough to make bad content good, and it's not. <laughs> and right. it's actually quite welcoming when you see something that is a lovely surprise in every true sense of the word. Yeah. You know. And uh, Noel, for me, was that. How did you feel about it? I I actually haven't seen it, so I I was really keen. Oh. So, yeah, I was really keen to know what you thought about it because, um, again, with, with having uh, a daughter and looking for new family stuff to kind of pick out, uh, that was that was one that I was eyeing up but not convinced about watching. But I think you've you've swayed me. So yeah, I, I'd say certainly it would be a great film to watch. I mean, I watched it a couple of weeks back, so yeah. if I'd watched it a little bit closer to Christmas, it might have been good. I watched it just to kind of tick it off. Yeah. And I remember it being a big deal last year. So yeah, I would certainly say like if you're sitting down to watch a Christmas film, especially as a family, then um, yeah, you could do a lot worse than this one. So I'd say go for this. This this could be a Christmas classic in years to come. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of Christmas classics, um, I, I'm very, very excited that this year on Christmas Eve, we are planning to have my daughter's first viewing of one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made, Die Hard. It is a Christmas movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're very much looking forward to that. Speaking of original content on Disney+, and I alluded to this earlier in the podcast, is just this past weekend, Disney held what was called their, their Investors Day, and I don't think I've seen a content dump from one studio as comprehensive as this as i think i have ever seen uh now you've not seen a lot of this news have you kev no i've not i mean it's that kind of thing where the bits and bobs that i have seen have become have come through other means so yeah. i haven't actively seeked this out but i've seen things on channels but uh yeah, yeah I, I look forward to you kind of letting me know more okay so i mean it, there's too much to kind of bring into one discussion around it because there is literally so much to talk about but essentially what happened on uh the investor day is they announced all of the new and active projects that they are working on particularly through disney plus and cinema releases as well so this includes their star wars uh disney plus and cinematic output uh their marvel disney plus and cinematic output and as well as sort of original Disney movies or sequels and some of the, the animation studio stuff as well. Uh, I haven't been able to lay my fingers on too much of the animation stuff at the moment, other than the news about Raya and the Dragon earlier. I know there are going to be uh, some, some fairly big new series coming up, but what's really been interesting is, is some of the things that have come out of particularly f- for me, because I do enjoy Star Wars and I do enjoy 
the the MCU is some of the, the live projects are, are really interesting and some of the new things that came out. I think the highlight for me on the Star Wars side was the announcement that Wonder Woman's Patty Jenkins is doing a Rogue One, uh, sorry, not a Rogue One, sorry, Rogue Squadron movie, which right. is uh, it's basically going to be like uh, Top Gun in X-Wings by the looks of it. Uh, she did a little announcement teaser for it, uh, and which ended with her donning a uh, rebel flight suit and walking towards uh, an x-wing on a uh, an air force base to take off so that could be that could be really, really interesting because i mean she's done such a great job with the with wonder woman movies and uh, the idea of of having you know rogue squadron and uh, lots of amazing space battles could be uh, could be absolutely fascinating uh, interestingly that you know, with there being rumors of it for years that finally there is definitely going to be the obi-wan series on disney plus uh with All right long time coming yeah long time coming with you mcgregor reprising his role and what was very interesting and this will this will either get a a positive or negative reaction depending on how you feel about the prequels but uh, hayden christensen is returning in the Darth Vader role. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's also going to be a Donald Glover starring Lando Calrissian series. Lovely. Which could be, which could be great fun because uh, he was one of the highlights of what I don't think was... A, it wasn't a, a fantastic movie, but it was certainly a passable, enjoyable time with Solo. It was, it was good fun, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, and uh, for those of you that are watching The Mandalorian at the, at the moment... Uh, there is going to be an Ahsoka spin-off. She is a Jedi character from, I believe, Rebels and the Clone Wars and now the Mandalorian. Uh, so she's getting her own spin-off, as is Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna, who was uh, one of the Resistance or one of the Rebel leaders in Rogue One. So that could be very interesting. And I know that he's returning for it and Alan Tudyk is coming back as K2SO, I want to say. But uh, the fact that they're both coming <laughs> you back... You weren't paying attention at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the, yeah, so that'll be a, a prequel series for him leading up to the events of Rogue One. So that could be, that could be really interesting as well. Uh, James Mangold has been confirmed as the director of the fifth and potentially final Indiana Jones film, which is interesting. Mm. And then okay. there was there was the huge dump of new marvel content as well including a trailer for the loki series uh, additional information and first trailer for falcon and the winter soldier is there any uh, a- any wonder vision stuff I mean, yeah that's obviously that's january that's, isn't it? Wonder so Vision's. yeah they'll, they'll um so there was a, a new trailer for that and that is imminently incoming and that is supposed to have uh links into the new doctor strange in the multiverse of madness film which is coming up soon, and uh, also the next Spider-Man film as well. Which oh, wow. have you have you seen some of the news around the new Spider-Man film? I have. I've. I've the um. Which obviously this must have been one of the things that I kind of picked up on the feed is Alfred Molina is going to uh, return possibly as Doc Ock. Not just Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. So already confirmed is Jamie Foxx is returning as Electro. There is okay. heavy rumour that both Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are returning, as are Kirsten Dunst and uh, Emma Stone. As is, uh, and this this is the one that's that, that's really exciting me. Uh, Charlie Cox in the Daredevil role because uh, the Daredevil series on Netflix I thought was absolutely first class. 
And if there is any opportunity to bring that back, particularly as the third series ended on something of a cliffhanger, uh, then the potential to bring Charlie Cox back would be absolutely fantastic. And there are there are further rumours uh, that they could be looking at uh, bringing back uh, Michael Keaton in the Vulture role and uh, potentially developing something of a, a Sinister Six within the film because we already know uh, from the uh, from the previous Spider-Man film that there is a highly likely chance that we're getting the brilliant J.K. Simmons back as uh, J. Jonah Jameson. So interesting times. And I think that the whole idea of, of kind of the multiverse crashing into each other i think is a really it could end up being a really interesting exciting film it's basically becoming like a a spider-man version of endgame yeah i mean that's it's great i mean it sounds really exciting did, did they say anything about the their plans content wise i mean i know at the moment we're kind of taking it that disney plus are going the way of just streaming and stuff yeah but did they mention black widow and what was going so on black that? widow funnily enough the luck the last investors thing was, you know, there was loads of stuff that we still haven't seen yet yeah. because of everything that's been going on. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Black Widow is uh, is the one thing that is absolutely not moving from the cinema schedules and is due to is due to land in May. And Captain Marvel two has also been announced as well. So that's due to be uh, that's due to be released in November twenty twenty two, I think. Uh, they're still looking to uh, March 2022 for the new Doctor Strange. So yeah, I, still a fair fair few bits going, and that's before you get into uh, the Hawkeye spin-off with Jeremy Renner and Hayley Steinfeld as his protege, Kate Bishop. She-Hulk is also uh, coming uh, with Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black and. The uh, Jake Gyllenhaal film uh, Stronger from a couple of years ago. So she's playing uh, the She-Hulk character, which will have Mark Ruffalo returning as Bruce and uh, Tim Roth reprising his role from <laughs> The Incredible Hulk. Great, I like that. There was he was a great character. He was probably the best thing about The Incredible Hulk. Absolutely. And then you you'll have a Secret Invasion uh, series starting with Sam Jackson coming back as Nick Fury and Ben Mendelsohn as Talos. Uh, Moon Knight, who is not a character I know particularly well, but uh, there are strong rumours that Oscar Isaac is going to be playing him, which Oscar Isaac getting work is always a good thing in my book. I think he's great. Don Cheadle is getting his own War Machine (laughs) series. uh, We are dangerously approaching saturation point, aren't we? We are, uh, yes. And and that's before before we even get into the new Guardians of the Galaxy films and the new Black Panther. (laughs) Well, it's it's one one uh, thing that Disney do when they get hold of a property is they milk it for all it's worth. I I hope Star Wars fatigue isn't going to apply to, to Marvel. I, I hope so too, but finally the the, the kind of, I would say probably the biggest sort of new news because I think all of these a lot of these things were was sort of known before. The biggest new news is the fact that they are uh, they confirmed that John Watts is going to be developing the new uh, Fantastic Four movie, mm. which will be very interesting. And I think it's something that since the since the rights to Fantastic Four, you you, you could kind of put aside the, the whole Fox takeover on what you think of that, you know, where the rights of reverting of X-Men and uh, Fantastic Four back to Marvel and back to Disney. It's very interesting how they are going to to now take that forward. Uh, and I think if anybody can 
make a good fist of it. I think to, uh, I think Kevin Feige is the man to do it. Indeed. Because he knows in, uh, what he doesn't know about Marvel and kind of fitting it into a cohesive universe is uh, it's almost not worth <laughs> knowing. And that's just the kind of the Marvel and the, the Star Wars things. Uh, there are also more sequels and more live action adaptations. Pinocchio, Peter Pan and Wendy are being... Uh, being made there's going to be a sister act three there's going to be a, uh, a hocus pocus two there's going to be a sequel to enchanted called disenchanted uh so they're certainly they're certainly milking the uh the sequels and the, the existing properties for more content well, the good thing about the good thing about um, that then is like it's, it's well that says to me that says jobs that says industry moving forward that says things happening which is great which is what you need yeah i suppose if any year they were going to kind of like throw it all at the wall is going to be this year which is great and yeah. i'm glad to hear it and even though the content may not all be for me I'll, i i'm very glad that it's all going ahead I just hope that they're very wise yeah. with how they release it. The one thing that's come out of uh, this, because uh, they're also uh, looking at starting a brand new adult wing of Disney Plus that is due to launch next oh, yeah. year. And <laughs> um, what is likely to be happening as a result, basically that's going to be all of your Logans and your Alien films and your diehards being able to be accessed via the, the Disney Plus platform. Wow, that's a really big deal, that isn't is... it? So I wonder if that means that if they'll lift all of the kind of edited stuff that they've got on the platform currently that's been kind of edited for content or tweaked or CG'd and stuff. I wonder if they'll kind of whack that onto the platform uncut as well. Poten yeah, be potentially, I think uh, it, it's going to be in sort of a, a parental locked area so young eyes can't look at it, but it obviously opens up a whole new whole new area although it's not been confirmed for that side of the service uh more for their uh their hulu service uh they also that the kind of the last thing they confirmed that i am cautiously optimistic about especially considering we dedicated more as a whole episode to it is that uh ridley scott and noah hawley who developed uh legion and uh the fargo series are developing a uh, an Earth set series uh, based on the Alien franchise. Ooh, yeah, so that's so there's a lot to be getting uh, getting your brain around there. <laughs> As I say, yeah, uh, a lot. <laughs> merry Merry Christmas to you all. So uh, moving on from that, I think uh, one of the other things uh, I just wanted to touch on because uh, again, getting into the festive movie spirit is. I didn't necessarily want to be just watching Christmas films, but I want to be watching great films that just happen to be set at Christmas. And Kev, who is your go-to guy for great movies set at Christmas? Well, mate, I'm dreaming of a Shane Black Christmas. Oh, that's, that's the thing, really. Just Shane like the Black, ones I, I used to know. <laughs> like the ones I used to know. Yeah, funnily enough, the ones we used to know. The um, Growing up in the 80s, early 90s, there was that kind of thing where you'd watch your kind of your lethal weapons and and stuff like that. And, and you'd kind of be like, oh, OK, well, this is this is weird, isn't it? I mean, even Die Hard, which obviously wasn't a shame, black written screenplay. No. But there's that kind of thing where you've got that thing where an action film, something takes place at Christmas. And it kind of yeah. puts this weird kind of there's something kind of like quite maniacal and actually can be quite disturbing about Christmas. That dark element. Yeah. I remember going to a Q&A with Shane black when kiss kiss bang bang came out uh and then they asked him straight out they said well it's obviously no strain you know it, it, it's no secret that you love setting your films at christmas what is it and he says i love setting my films at christmas and i love setting them at christmas particularly in los angeles because christmas in los angeles makes a promise that it breaks every year and yeah. i thought oh, okay well that's kind of like a really weird way to look at it 
that's what it is is there's something about christmas that kind of heightens things and makes it a little bit more disturbing you know and while not every shane black film is set at christmas many shane black films that aren't set at christmas usually reference christmas i mean um, you talked recently about watching uh the nice guys yeah and the whole nice guys isn't set at christmas at all and then right at the very end they put a christmas nod in yeah he loves the kind of the christmas trees that are kind of like there but on on hollywood boulevard so it's all hot you know the fact that people aren't walking around wearing scarves and gloves or anything like that in most of his films that are kind of set in LA yeah. but then on the flip side to that you have got his films like The Long Kiss Goodnight which I oh, watched recently as well as did another I shame, yeah another Shane Black pen film as well and that's great too because cause, cause you've got that element so yeah I, I think Shane Black and Christmas go together like uh, mulled wine and mulled cider I don't know that was a <laughs> yeah, basically mulled wine and cookies intoxicating yes <laughs> yeah intoxicating yeah. i did i did see uh, a bit of a quote while i was sort of researching for for the episode again looking into uh, the whole christmas thing and, and shane black's inspiration behind it is uh he said in a, an interview with den of geek that uh lonely people at christmas tend to to be lonelier and and they, yeah, they take yeah, stock of their funny. lives and actually you you kind of drop that thought in there and then you consider his his films uh particularly you know the ones he's the ones he's written and the ones that he's directed is that you know long kiss good night charlie baltimore character's kind of she's isolated because she has no memory of her you know her past uh, that she's just got this she this, does, this yeah. new life iron man 3 which is another one that you know christmas set shane black written directed and again i i know i know this is a really divisive one i found it once again just to be a ton of fun it is just a really, really fun film, and again, Tony's kind of isolated by, uh, first of all, you know, not having the suit, and his uh, his reaction to the events of uh, previous films, and uh, uh, kind of being cut adrift. So same with uh, Kiss Kiss yeah, Bang Bang. You've got Robert Downey Jr.'s yeah. kind of character there. He's kind of like he's he's he can't see his kids. He's kind of missing his family, yeah. and he's isolated in that kind of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's great, and then obviously you've got Lethal Weapon. You've got the Martin Riggs character, yeah. who's kind of like it's got PTSD and and, and has got that kind of you know element yeah. of you know coming back from Nam and and the war and all of that kind of stuff too. So yeah, he he certainly does like those characters. And I suppose the fact that it is Christmas, you're right, it does. It kind of makes the lonely seem yeah. lonelier. Yeah. So well, and and again, it it works. Uh, you know, it, it kind of spins itself out with. Um, nice guys as well that both of the you know the holland march characters uh, and the, the jackson healy they're both essentially lone wolves i know you know holland's got his daughter but they're they're two they're two guys that kind of sort of find each other and actually begin to start working well together and i think uh I, and i absolutely love the nice guys it's such a uh, I, I put it on on a day that I, I definitely needed a bit of a bit of cheering up, and it always it always makes me laugh. There are so many brilliant moments in it. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot to be found in Shane yeah. Black films around this time of year, definitely. and I do. Yeah, I find myself kind of like the must watch, yeah. like your Long Kiss Goodnight, your Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, stuff like that. I found them as traditional as mm-hmm. you know, as my Scrooged and Elf viewings you know so it's that kind of thing shane black yeah the darker side of christmas but christmas nonetheless yeah, it's yeah, uh, yeah certainly good. so certainly the last two in the last kind of week and a half that i i, I so i've gone through i've gone through the back catalog the last two i watched were iron man 3 and kiss kiss bang bang and it mm-hmm. really really hits home that if you want anybody delivering a shane black script it's Robert Downey Jr. I mean, the way he the way he uses because Chain Black's dialogue is 
you know, generally super sharp and Robert Downey Jr.'s delivery is just so good in, in both films. The way he, he can kind of turn the phrase is is brilliant. And, uh, and two great roles and uh, opposite ends almost of his uh, of his stardom that um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang almost sort of felt like the start of the Robert Downey Jr. renaissance. And yeah. Iron Man 3, because I mean, it, it was huge, is one of the pinnacles of his career in the fact that Shane Black's been able to kind of meet him at these two stages of his career and both performances are as as good as the other I think uh, I, I do have a slight preference for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because I just think it's again like I think that and the nice guys go really well together as a, a nice sort of neo-noir comedy buddy thriller Mm, he does seem very. The funny thing about Kiss Kiss, um, like I say, yeah, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But I'm talking about um, Long Kiss Goodnight. Going through yeah. that, I remember again, particularly watching uh, the the Shane Black Q and A when um, he, he said that he believes Gina Davis, in his eyes, was kind of quite miscast in Kiss Kiss yeah. Bang Bang. But he thinks Sam Jackson can do his dialogue with like the best of yeah. it. And I think there's not a single person I think that would doubt that Shane uh, that um, Samuel L. Jackson is the guy to deliver yeah. even the worst dialogue in such a fascinating way. But the little girl in um, Long Kiss Good Night, the one that plays yeah. Caitlin, um, Yvonne, Yvonne Zimmer is her, her real name. She actually was in Iron Man three as uh-huh. well. She kind of put her in that. So it's kind. Of, I, I was watching her because I, I was watching the kid and I was looking at her and I was thinking, what has she done? So I looked her up on IMDb and I noticed she's got this little string of things, but a lot of it is kind of like Shane Black getting her in to kind of like you know. So, so I think he's very. He's got a kind of a crew, isn't yeah. he? This Shane Black that people he likes to use and people that he believes are you know good assets. Almost like Tarantino, I suppose. In that way, it's kind of like he'll use these kind of people. He'll people that maybe haven't worked for a while. He'll get them in and help them and everything like that and it's always good but everyone he gets in the film always seems so well yeah. cast and so engaged you know but obviously a lot of that's dialogue i suppose if i was in a shane black film doing his dialogue i might look great too yeah <laughs> i think that's that's a really good point as well that um in uh so particularly iron man 3 and in the nice guys that he's worked with with kids and you know actually giving kids uh good roles because he, he has those doesn't he he always has the kid he he writes kids oddly he writes smart talking kids well yeah. some might argue he writes smart talking kids better than he writes female characters yeah because yeah, you know but if, if you look at the long um the last boy scout the kid in that is ultimately the one that kind of saves yeah. the day gets them out of a fix in nice guys the kid ultimately gets them out of a fix and she's in, great you know yeah in kiss kiss bang bang um the the, the not the not kiss kiss bang bang in um uh, long Kiss Goodnight, the kid gets them out of a fix, yeah. and that's kind of what it is as well. And he's, I think he sees them as kind of little guardian that's angels because there's like like the fact that things are set at Christmas. There's an innocence to yeah, the children as definitely. well. They see things. If you've got this horrible, sordid world, which is usually kind of like almost like sort of like a noiry kind of like you know detective thriller kind of thing yeah. as well, but you throw a kid into that, they see it from their point definitely. of view, where they, where they see it from a very innocent point of view, and they can see things that the the main protagonist can't. Yeah. So that's great. Also, a little shout out there for for Ty Simpkins as well, who plays Harley. In Iron Man three, because again, it's it's him, the two, uh, the interplay between him and Tony Stark again is is really good, and it's it's lovely because he uh, recast him for a very very small role right at the beginning of uh, the Nice Guys. So the the kid that uh, that finds Misty oh, Mountains yes, yeah, uh, is him. It's it's <laughs> the same. It's the same lad. So yeah, to, again, yeah, like you say, he, he writes kids really, really well. So if you're looking for an alternative recommendation for 
for your Christmas movies. We can't recommend A Shame Black Christmas enough. Uh, so just to, to, to rattle yeah. through those, uh, we've talked about Lethal Weapon, which again is classic. Uh, Iron Man 3, which is available on Disney+. Plus. Uh, nice Guys, which is knocking around most of the uh, the streaming services, it tends to be uh, particularly Prime and Netflix. I really, really cannot recommend that enough because it didn't do the business it, it could have and should have done at the box office. It is genuinely funny. Uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, which is a little harder to come by, but is is well worth watching. And Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is just an absolute flat out neo noir comedy classic. So. Yeah, just need to point out, though, that uh, sometimes Shane Black films aren't for the faint-hearted and some of the dialogue and views are very of yes, their time. Yes, absolutely. So uh, just be aware of that yeah. as well. So, yeah, we, we mean it in an ironic kind of way to settle down and watch it at Christmas, but it's not the kind of thing you'd put on with your nan on Christmas Absolutely day. not. Absolutely not. <laughs> so if you are looking for things to enjoy with your nan around Christmas and with the rest of the family, yeah, social distancing allowing it, uh, I had a quick look at what the big premieres are happening on both now tv and on bbc because they tend to be the, the best places to find your christmas films uh, now tv's got an interesting selection this year is your christmas day premiere is uh, trolls world tour and uh, your boxing day premiere is uh, tom hooper's staging of cats which obviously went down an absolute storm Ooh. 12 months ago yeah that was <laughs> that that was what everyone was talking about last it was. year and we thought we thought the Thought things were yes, bad then. Indeed, yeah. uh, it's slightly slightly different from last year's Christmas Day premiere on Now TV, which was uh, the biggest film of all time, Avengers Endgame. <laughs> BBC, on the other hand, uh, have got an absolute beaut for their Christmas Day premiere, uh, which is the, the the wonderful Coco, which we talked about in the last episode. Oh. They're also over the Christmas period showing Dunkirk, uh, Spider Man Homecoming, which is which is great fun, and Beauty and the Beast. And they're they're going they're going hard with the uh, the animation this year as well because over the period you've also got Moana, you've got How to Train Your Dragon, uh, The Hidden World, uh, Cast Three, Early Man, which is a little bit of underrated Ardman fun, and one of the the finest feel good films of all time, The Wonderful Paddington Two. If you're not looking necessarily for a Christmas film or a, a family film. Uh, then you could also look to uh, Netflix, which on the 23rd of December released the brand new George Clooney directed and starring uh, sci-fi thriller called The Midnight Sky. Uh, the trailers look very interesting. Uh, it's got a, a great cast and uh, looks like a bit of a kind of a, a frozen expedition adventure combined with a sort of uh, gravity-esque sort of space set adventure. So it could be quite interesting. And of course, the the big streaming uh, premiere is uh, Soul, as we've discussed on previous podcasts, uh, releasing on Christmas Day on Disney+, Plus, which is uh, the brand new Pixar, which is always an event. So between the uh, between those films, I'm sure you find something in the movies to keep you entertained. Oh, yeah, I know what I'll be watching. Definitely. Yeah. And so we're going to move seamlessly on because we've been talking for a little while, but it's been fun. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, so we're going to wrap up with our two regular features. So we're going to start with our pitch battle. Pitch battle. Pitch. Oh, I was trying to say. Hang on, should we do it? Battle. We, we need to do that again. On three. One, two, okay. three. 
Pitch, pitch battle. battle. There we go. You see, without Chris here to tie it all together, I know we, we, we fall to pieces. <laughs> so we have gone for a festive pitch battle this time, and thanks to an old friend of both uh, Kevin and mine's, uh, uh, Donna Spaniel, she has provided oh. us with our actor, our item, and our genre. So, Kevin. Oh, lovely. Hello, hello Donna. Donna. <laughs> uh, we miss you very much, and we can't wait to see you again. Um, and we'll see the other side of uh, all of this, these shenanigans. She has provided for us. The actor is Willem Dafoe. The genre is political thriller. Right. And the item is a cassette of crappy Christmas songs. Crappy Christmas. So we're going to go away and prepare our pitches. We will see you in about two seconds. Okay, Kev, we're back. Yes, indeed. Whew, that was a quick five minutes. Whoosh. Would you like to go first or second? I will go. You know what? I'll go first if that's all right with you, okay. my friend. Okay. That's absolutely fine. So I've got Willem Dafoe, a political thriller with a cassette with crappy Xmas songs. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. 1972. The Watergate Hotel. The Nixon White House tapes. They've been stolen. And only one man can get them back. Willem Dafoe. Not scary Willem Dafoe, but the the one that's quite nice. Is the only man that can get back the Nixon White House tapes and blow Watergate wide open. Now that's what I call an Xmas scandal. Ah, uh, I kind of like. Do you know what the funny thing was, right? With that, yeah. I kind did did I did yeah. I get did I ah uh, yeah did did I get across that the the the, the Nixon tapes had been? I've got it all written down, right? I've got this when I do yeah. this all the time. I have it written down in like a cloud kind of thing, and I've got all these little <laughs> things. I looked at it. Did I miss out, or did I say that the Nixon White House tapes <laughs> had been replaced with a cassette of crappy Xmas songs? Uh, yes, you did. I did. Okay, brilliant. That's I'm pretty it. sure you did. That was the gag then. That, that was the gag. Fantastic. So, if anything, really, I suppose if I did a pitch battle, I did the trailer. If I'd have actually gone to pitch it, then it would have actually sounded yeah. more like a comedy. But yeah, Willem Dafoe. The political thriller aspect was obviously Watergate of nineteen seventy-two, or the scandal of seventy-three to seventy-four, and um, yeah, the fact that wouldn't it be hilarious if someone had replaced yeah. the wire, the Watergate tapes with uh, <laughs> with crappy Christmas stuff. <laughs> now. It's, it's funny you should say that because as, uh, yeah, you'll find there are remarkable similarities <laughs> between mine and yours. Oh, but okay. Before that though, then okay. give me credit for the title. Now that's what I call yeah. a, a Christmas a Christmas scandal. That's yeah. Um, yeah I, I'm get, I, you will absolutely get credit for that, but you will see <laughs> there is remarkable similarities. Ah, oh, my performance let it down. I'm sorry, Donna, for not doing no, that justice. So, here we go. Yeah. Christmas 1985. Harvey's life begins to fall apart when his evidence that the president is corrupt is swapped with a cassette of Christmas songs. He faces a race against time to swap the tape back with the Secret Service closing in to eliminate him. Willem Dafoe in. Now that's what I call murder. Oh, okay, brilliant. So we ended that <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah, it's good. Remarkably the, similar. <laughs> the, the now that's what I call is is obviously something that I don't it's know, the I, only way to go. I don't know if that I don't know if that translate abroad though, so they might have to change it to whatever they have. In, I don't know what American yeah. mixtapes are called. Yeah. So if you're listening to America, the now that's what I call music series is a British institution, <laughs> um, and I've not bought one for about 
30 years. So, <laughs> there on. we go. <laughs> there we go. So I suppose the only difference there Excellent. really is I, I based mine in uh, the White House scan- uh, Watergate, uh, Watergate scandal, which, which is like in fact, and your one was kind of like a 1985 fictional one, which is good. Yes, which I, 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 I like the fact that you went to, you went to factual. We don't have many, but I picked some pitch battle. <laughs> <laughs> oh there we go well yeah there we go oh that was probably my worst pitch battle yet but i think it's because i got mixed up. i was so excited to get the idea across i thought that was going to be all you know all killer that one but i just blew that really in performance uh, it, it was it was fine i enjoyed it <laughs> thanks, that was man. fun thanks man and so we're closing towards the end of this christmas special and we've we've talked quite a lot but we've just got a couple more things to say to you first of all is we're going to add to our Tracks of the Trade Spotify playlist. I'll give you some more information on that at the end. I've gone for something that's both Christmassy and a bit of an earworm, and it's something a little bit left field for the Tracks of the Trade uh, playlist because most of it's been sort of a fairly, fairly either sedate or rousing. I've not gone for anything completely gonzo like this. So mm-hmm. I have chosen the 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 tracks. Uh, well, it's, it's one track end title slash the Gremlin Rag which is the main uh, Gremlins theme tune, uh, which you'll know it when you hear it, and it will be in your head for... (laughs) Is it that one? That's it. It's that one. (laughs) That will be be in your head for the rest of Christmas. Uh, And that is uh, by the legendary Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, We had to go with a a Christmas classic, didn't we? And Kev, how about your tracks of the trade? Well, I've gone from 1988 Scrooged, as we mentioned it many a time, and obviously it's one I go back to. And Danny Elfman uh, composed it. It was very apt, actually, and was uh, at that point it was very much Danny Elfman was kind of new on the scene. So the very kind of like, la 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 that a lot of people associate with Danny yeah. Elfman now uh, that you often get in Tim Burton films, not so much Richard Donner films like this one, um, was very prominent. This is track 16 from the Scrooged score. Yep. Um, which I think I'm hoping will be on uh, on Spotify. It's called Showtime at IBC, and this is if you, you think about the like the film when it's all kind of like things are starting to all come together. He's just met the ghost of Christmas present. He's about to meet the ghost of Christmas future, and he's staring out the window. He's got himself a whiskey. It's all coming to a head. The broadcast is about to start. It's brilliant, and it's such a great, cool, you know, kind of twisted piece of almost sort of comedy but drama as yeah. well you know it's probably the most dramatic that part of the film goes and you feel like there's a real sense of tension there and the score enhances that so showtime at ibc from scrooged by danny elfman track 16 fantastic that's a that's a really really great choice and i think i could be wrong but i think that might be the danny elfman's first appearance on tracks of the trade which i think is something we Ooh. might need to remedy in the future indeed yeah yeah <laughs> and so that brings us to the end of our festive edition of the monkey see monkey review podcast we hope you've enjoyed it it has been a bit of an epic but uh, we've had fun we hope you have as well uh so all that remains for me to do is i need to ask the the favors as i always do that if you are enjoying this podcast please 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 give us feedback where you can uh we are on facebook the group is monkey see monkey review uh request to join if you've not already and give us some feedback there or if you are on twitter we are at msmr pod please follow us and again comment there Uh, if you are using apple podcasts and you get your podcast through there uh, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe because that'd be that'd be awesome. We'd really appreciate that. And please, 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 uh, as it's Christmas, 
give us give us a positive review um we like to see it we just like to know that people are listening and enjoying it uh if you want to get in touch with us via instagram we are on there and again if you search monkey see monkey review and we post periodically on there and uh we we talk about film news and things that we're watching and if you want to email us we are at msmrpod at gmail.com and finally uh in a really lovely little surprise for me is i always thought that the two ways to get hold of us were via the uh, spotify app by searching monkey see monkey review the podcast which is also where tracks of the trade is again search tracks of the trade on spotify and you'll find it on there uh, but we're also now on Google Podcasts, uh, which I didn't know until I went searching for it the other day. So if you don't have access to Apple Podcasts uh, and you want to find a way of getting into uh, getting to listen to Monkey See Monkey Review, then via your Android phone, you can get us through Google Podcasts. That pretty much wraps it up. I think I just want to leave everybody with a little bit of a a little bit of a final thought, a little bit of a Christmas message. Because uh, we've had a hell of a year, haven't we, Kev? We have indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been it's been a hell yeah. of a year. Not just us. I think everybody can say that this is probably a, 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 a year that's best in the review. Absolutely. And I, you know, that was the royal we. That was that was you guys listening. Uh, so look after yourselves. And uh, Kev, thank you so much for joining us again. And we hope to welcome you back again in the very very near future. And a, a very and merry Christmas you, yeah. to you. And I'm gonna... Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, and thanks for Chris for letting me step in. And uh, yes, big Merry Christmas to everybody from me. Thank you. Uh, be safe. And I'm going to leave you with with one thought. I'm going to slightly paraphrase from the man Bill Murray himself. It's Christmas. It's the one time of the year when we all act a little nicer, we smile a little easier, and we cheer a little more. And for a couple of hours out of the whole year, we're the people that we always hoped we would be. It's a miracle. Have a very Merry Christmas.